You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen. And you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we speak to Lindsay Scholes Peasley about how she started her company with an eye on sustainability, how catastrophic events shaped her viewpoint on environmental issues, and what market expectations are for her company. Lindsay Schultz-Peasley is an artist, equestrian, and mother. In 2020, she founded Schultz, an equestrian bag brand committed to function, sustainability, and style. Lindsay has always been invested in environmental issues. However, her dedication to the climate crisis intensified after losing her childhood home in the Tubbs Fire, as well as the barn she boarded at the following year in the Woolsey Fire. Schultz is the result of her passion for riding, sustainability, and design. Still maintaining her art practice, Schultz Peasley received her BFA from Otis College of Art and Design and her MFA from California Institute of the Arts in Los Angeles. Lindsay currently lives in Northern California with her husband, George, and newborn son, along with their dogs, horses, chickens, and goats. Stomach ulcers make you feel bad. All natural ulcer relief makes you feel good. With no known side effects and a 100% money back guarantee, why not give it a try? Ulcerrelief.com. Hi, Lindsay. We're excited to have you on our episode today uh, to talk about you and your company and sustainability. Um, And Connor will start with the first question. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. So uh, what events in your life led you to think about the environment more and become more sustainable? Growing up, I've always been someone who was interested in um, like environmental practices Um, and my mother actually got her degree. Um, her focus was on recycling. And so our, our household was doing basic things like recycling way before it was something that was kind of expected of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in high school, I wrote a 40 page essay on deforestation. So there's, it's always been something that I've been kind of interested in and ways that we could do better for our planet. But really the shift happened when the California wildfires happened. So I lost my childhood home in the Tubbs fire up in Sonoma County. And then the following year, I lost the barn that I boarded at in the Woolsey fire. Um, And I was actually at the barn at 3 a.m. evacuating horses. And we lost everything except the horses. And so it was really at that point that I started diving into books and movies and following climate solutionists and activists and really paying attention to ways that we can change as a civilization, but also things that I could do on an individual level. Mm-hmm. And I know that sustainability is kind of a broad term. I think people use it. Sometimes I feel like they use it in place of like longevity. Like they talk about mm-hmm. sustainability in their careers instead of like the longevity and, <laughs> and staying in their careers. So can you just kind of let our listeners know what kind of sustainability we're talking about? How do you define that? Yeah. So for me, I mean, sustainability is such a broad term and it's a really kind of manipulative 
term too, since sustainability has become very trendy. I think there's a lot of greenwashing happening within the with marketing campaigns to mislead consumers. So mm-hmm. specifically sustainability talking about um, you know, our environment, ways that we can be really thoughtful about what we consume, how we consume things, how we can um better be basically better human beings for our planet. And all these terms kind of make me cringe at the moment too, like sustainability, eco-friendly, eco-conscious, you know, all the different terms. They're so open-ended and misused. So for me personally, I'm just focused on trying to make as many responsible choices as possible. We've come to a point where really choosing to be a sustainable company is kind of an antiquated idea. It should be something that really every business has to consider and find their own solutions for. So there's a wide variety of actions and solutions for our climate crisis that we can look at on like a global, local, corporate, and personal level. Yeah. And do you think there is a way to make sustainability less overwhelming? Like when I think about companies that you know, have been doing business for years or decades and doing what they've always done and trying to think about how to make big systemic changes seems like a um, a lot for some people to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, first of all, just to clarify, I'm by no means an expert on this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I myself am working on being better human for our planet every day. And it's a process. And it's something that like I started off making really small changes and then Mm -hmm. diving in more and more. So it's, it is overwhelming. Um, And learning about sustainability and trying to make responsible changes really is overwhelming. And it's not always a straightforward answer. Like I think of, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I think of the tomato conundrum in the show, The Good Place. And it goes basically quote, like these days, just buying a tomato at the grocery store means that you are unwittingly supporting toxic pesticides, exploiting labor and contributing to global warming. And humans think that they're making one choice, but they're actually making dozens of choices that they don't even know that they're making. So at the end of the day, it's really impossible to be perfect, but it's about making as many changes as possible, being aware of these sort of domino effect choices as possible Mm -hmm. and encouraging friends and family to make changes as well. And lastly, really putting pressure on large corporations to make big change. Um, They are the biggest polluters. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so for like my first step to seriously analyze, analyzing my part in the climate crisis, um, like I said, it began after losing my home and the Mm -hmm. barn. And so I started reading texts like Drawdown by Paul Hawken and his more recent work, Regeneration, along with other books. And the ones I liked were We Are the Weather by Jonathan Safran Foer, The Mm -hmm. Sixth Extinction by Elizabeth Colbert, uh, All We Can Save by Catherine Wilkinson. Um, I also love listening to podcasts too. So Mm -hmm. one that I really like is uh, How to Save a Planet and then watching loads of documentaries too. But I think truly the best way to get involved and to make changes is to find things that you care about, find a subject matter within the crisis that really moves you to want to change. So it becomes a little bit more effortless Mm. and simple things that kind of you can do and start doing 
is one eating a plant-based diet or a mostly plant-based diet because meat and animal feed accounts for nearly, I think it's like 60% of all greenhouse gases generated Mm -hmm. by the food sector. And then if you do eat meat, try to buy responsibly from local regenerative farms. Mm -hmm. Um, And unlike commercial agriculture, regenerative farming really enriches nature through every aspect of its process rather than just like depleting the soil um, and creating a bigger issue. Uh, Boycott fast fashion because that contributes to roughly 8% of global greenhouse gases. Mm. And specifically looking at fast fashion brands like Zara, H&M, Forever 21, and Uniqlo. Um, So find shops that are really conscious of this. And you can check out brands that you like or discover new brands at there's a website called goodonyou.eco that's a great resource and even small changes like buying aluminum cans over plastic is great um, because it's a closed loop recycling system so you could basically remake the same aluminum can over and over and over again um, versus plastic that needs virgin plastic to remake it Um, but really like I would encourage everyone to go on regeneration.org. And there's a whole comprehensive list of ways you can educate yourself and like find things that you want to implement into your life. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that, you know, the, the fires are, have been such a enormous toll and taken so much from so many people and they just seem to be happening more often and and getting worse and and harder to control um you know how old were you when that happened and kind of what did it mean to you to have to come back from something like that yeah so the tubs fire was in 2017 and the woolsey fire was in 2018 okay. so it wasn't too long ago but yeah you know we've been seeing more severe weather patterns whether it's flooding freezing weather fires extreme heat like it's not Hurricanes. i know there's yeah exactly like there's mm-hmm. a, a misconception when we talk about like global warming we think it's all about just like a warming planet but all of these really extreme weather patterns are consequences from what we've been doing to the planet Um, And really at the end of the day, like our planet will be fine. Like we're responsible for kind of (laughs) our own future and the future Mm -hmm. of obviously um, animal and plant life that lives with us. Um, So it's not just focusing on saving the planet, but really saving our future on this planet. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, um, it's been emotional and just because it, like losing my childhood home and literally everything that mm. existed my mom got out with only our photo albums and wow. so you know we just had to kind of start fresh and i think there's still a lot of um kind of like ptsd feelings going back into that neighborhood and kind of our life that used to exist and Um, but it's also, it's a wake up call and that really is what needs to happen. And 
I think um, for everyone who was directly affected, it's it's something that you can't ignore and you can't go back on. And I think unfortunately, more and more people are being affected from these things. And so hopefully that just leads to greater change too. Right. This past weekend, I'm I'm just thinking, going back to you saying um, fast fashion, mm-hmm. because I, I was just having this conversation with my mother-in-law over the weekend while I'm there for Thanksgiving. She, I, I made Thanksgiving. And so I was going through her cabinets trying to find like her mixer and mm-hmm. you know, all the various tools. Her mixer, she got, she still has from her engagement gift. It's a black and decker. <laughs> like the way you plug it in, I was like, am I going to get electrocuted? But, <laughs> yeah. but like at the same time, she has never gotten rid of it. It's the only one she's yeah. ever used. Yeah. And, and it still works. And I'm like, wow, like that really like smacks you in the face, right? Mm-hmm. To be like, there are products, they were made where they're going to last. And, yeah. you know, I mean, she's been, they've been married 56 years or something like that. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's amazing how products were built so differently back in the day. They were intended to stand the test of time and to last. And now I feel like everything that's being made is designed to break down. So you'll have to like rebuy everything right. in like a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. I have my grandmother's food processor. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> that's, you awesome. know, she died at the age of what? I don't know, 88, like maybe 10 years ago. So, I mean, you can yeah. think, imagine how old it is. Yeah. And it still works perfectly. It's yeah. unbelievable. But then, you know, I buy something new, you know, and it lasts three years and mm-hmm. it's frustrating. Like refrigerators are planned to only survive, you know, seven or eight years now, whereas they used to last 25. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, our cell phones. Right. right. I mean, like right. every you you pay it off in three years or whatever, and then it's like, oh, the battery's draining. I have to oh, get a new one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's not functioning. I'm like refusing to buy a new one because I just paid it off. And <laughs> like, you know, like I'm like, why are you turning on? <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, it was it just it was amazing. And I I started thinking about the fast fashion and yeah, how we just throw things out because part of me was like for a second, I was like, wow, this is so old. What is she doing? Then I was like, you know what? This is really commendable that she mm-hmm. didn't feel the need to just trash it because it was old. It still works. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. It's <laughs> it's really a mindset that we really have to change because I think you know, all of us want the, the new thing, the pretty thing, the well-designed mm-hmm. thing, um, and looking at how we can prolong things and reuse things is going to be something that's critical yeah is there a place that people can go to find like best practices for the various different industries that they would be in in order to become more sustainable i'm sure there's plenty of resources to help businesses transition to a more sustainable model um depending on what that business is i would say you know do google searches there's plenty of stuff out there and also like I said, go to uh, theregeneration.org and look at things that you can do from a, they have things from personal changes to, you know, business model changes. So I think that's a really great resource to start with. Mm-hmm. And, but, and how about financial resources? Are um, there, there any available that you know of? 
Oh, I'm sure there's plenty. I am not familiar with any offhand, but I'm I'm positive there's plenty of um there's plenty of financial resources for people. Um and I would say especially for just kind of general business stuff, there's ways to become sustainable on large and small scale. So whether it's like where you're sourcing your products and materials from to who and what practices you're supporting um, from like land use to factory conditions to toxic chemicals. And on a small scale, like even just looking at packaging, are you using plastics or recyclables or compostables and looking at how much waste you're creating with something as simple as like shipping an item to someone. Mm -hmm. And um, what was the first product that you developed for your company? So the first products we launched with are the boot bag, helmet bag, and groom backpack. And um, my focus on creating this line, which is called the 1912 collection, was really on aesthetics, durability, intuitive design, and sustainability. So our products are really designed to last and also to last in kind of the demanding environment of horseback riders. Um, But, you know, we are a new company and we'll always be looking for ways to improve upon our pieces in order to get closer to that goal too. So I was inspired buy these antique items like your grandma's pieces. (laughs) Um, And so items that were really constructed with integrity and made to last. And this was a driving factor in our sustainable approach, which is keeping the bags really just out of landfills. Mm -hmm. Um, So if for any, and we also added these two two, um, programs to, uh, our business. So if for any reason people want to update their collection to a new color or they've stopped riding and want to retire their bags, um, we'll have a pre-loved program where we'll actually buy back the used bags to refurbish and sell them at a lower cost. And this not only extends the lifespan of the item, obviously, but we'll make it available for anyone who doesn't want to commit to the price tag of a brand new bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also if the bags are so used that they can no longer be refurbished, uh, we will be partnering with a company that actually breaks them down uh, as much as possible to recycle every material that is used in the bag and like separates them and make sure that it can be reused. So mm-hmm. sourcing things and building things like we just hope to do, you know, better and better as we get, you know, more more educated on ways that we can adapt our business model, but also as more companies create, you know, new products to work with. Like there's amazing things being done with mycelium. So that's something that we're eager to work with too. And what is that? It's mushrooms, like mushroom leather. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did it take you to find um, like at ways to manufacture and companies that could recycle old products. Um, you know, what was the timeline that, that you had? So 
on both ends of it, like finding companies and factories to work with to build these products. I have a really great team that I work with, my business partner and our um, design, um, our designer have extensive knowledge and work with really great people and factories that um, choose to implement sustainable practices into their company already. And mm-hmm. so when I am, you know, when we look at materials and say, you know, we want to work with recycled nylon or recycled polyester, it's not looking at blends or anything like that, where the company only gives us 100% recycled material. So it's already something that's kind of that standard for us that it's trying to find the best options and pushing each other to really create something that, um, you know, is as sustainable as possible while knowing that, you know, when you create a new product in at all, it's not like a sustainable practice. So it's kind of a difficult thing where we are creating something new, but we're trying to do it in the most responsible way possible. So mm-hmm. that's on, you know, the creation side. And then on the recycled side, we've just been searching, like really just Google searching and finding people that way and reaching out, starting conversations. And I think when you're within this world of sustainability, people really want to help and, you know, Mm -hmm. want to share their knowledge and benefit your company too. Yeah. Like create as much change as possible. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, I think when you make these connections, people are really eager to help you. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, we have a product right now at my company that is, it's a great product, but everybody picks it up, especially in places in the country like Vermont and New Hampshire, where this Mm -hmm. is very much on their mind, Maine, and they'll pick it up and they'll be like, this is great, but how do you recycle this? How do you, you know? And I'm like, gosh, I really need to start a company that (laughs) that recycles this particular product because I was like, it would, it would like ease people's minds. Cause I think sometimes they like, they're like, yeah, it's great. It's fast. It's, you know, everything about it, but look at how much plastic is in this. Look at how much can't be recycled. Look at how much is going in the trash. And I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. And like even in constructing our bags, like we have this reinforced silhouette in order for it to be able to like stand upright and hold its shape and be able to support like with the boot bag and the helmet bag clipping together that the boot bag can support that extra weight. And it would be so easy if we just decided, yeah, like throw pa- plastic in the lining. It's light, it's easy, it's durable, but that's that's not our what we want to do and that's not what we want to put out into the world so we had to find alternatives that were as as close to that support as putting plastic in but obviously not using plastic what kind of um materials are popular that you use or that you see within the sustainability space um well for us, we're currently using, like I mentioned, the 100% recycled polyester, and the mills are CUC certified. So they're control union certifications, which focus on sustainability of the industry's supply chain, which includes textiles, 
Um, and we also use uh, the Leather Working Group Gold Certified Leather. And our leather is vegetable tan and waterproofed with natural oils and waxes. And before we actually chose to include leather, we looked at a lot of alternatives. Um, and there's some really exciting things happening, whether it's you know the mushroom leather or there's actually lab-grown leather from cow biopsies that people are doing, oh, wow. which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but and also vegan leathers. And one reason that we decided to stay away from vegan leather is that actually they use a oftentimes a lot of toxic chemicals to bind um material to create the leather so right at this moment real leather is the most durable and if we select it in the most ethical way it seems to be the best choice for longevity as well so we're keeping our eyes open for new innovations that are also cost effective like um if mushroom leather becomes more widely available that's going to be so exciting to work with um i know hermes just created a mushroom leather bag so hopefully that'll trickle down to us being able to access it too (laughs) (laughs) um but that's so cool that there's options that you see coming in the future that could change what you do and or you know make your products better yeah i mean as i've been fortunate enough to enter this world and be connected with really amazing professionals, I would say, in the sustainability space. It's been very eye-opening to see like what is on the horizon. It's so inspiring. And I kind of get really antsy me and like, can we just like have this in the world right now? Um, yeah. <laughs> but I know it's a a process and there's a lot of people working really hard to make these changes and mm-hmm. yeah it makes me very optimistic for our future actually yeah i think i think it's very interesting too that you said like the vegan leather has um some toxic chemicals that they use to produce it because i i feel like that's something that gets confusing and it's hard for mm-hmm. people to navigate like mm-hmm. you know i mean they're making beyond burgers, let's say, right? Like, is that really better yep. for you than just making your own quinoa burger yourself? Yeah. You know, because <laughs> yep. they are using chemicals and, you know, mm-hmm. processes that that might not be as good as if you just had um, the local butcher, you know, butcher a cow for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Know, and this is to consider. This is where yeah. it's not easy and it requires a lot of research and really kind of like compromise in the moment for you know Mm. like there's not the best option at this time yeah so you know there's there's i would say you know if we're looking at you know buying a vegan bag versus a leather bag versus something else um you know an easy solution is you know buying like clothing and purses that already exist you know, mm-hmm. like going to um, like a vintage store or Goodwill and being able to give those products that are already out in the world a longer lifespan. Like that's something that yeah. is truly a sustainable model. And then from there, if you take a step back, um, you know, looking at what is the best practice from there, it's not 
adding more plastics and toxic chemicals into you know our world and supply chain so that's where like i think it's really important to not invest in toxic vegan leathers where there's other vegan leathers that are doing better like de niro's green boots they spent a lot of time working on um that specific material so it doesn't have um you know that toxic plastic that binds the material so there's ways to do it better um and you just have to unfortunately take that time to do the research yeah is it hard to find the vendors to use um no it's i think you know like i said i've been really lucky to have business partners that know who to reach out to in order to find the materials that we want to use and feel confident using. Mm -hmm. This has been a really interesting conversation to learn more about, you know, what we can do and the choices that everybody can make and, and to hear, you know, why you started your company and, and the, the steps that you went through to make your products. Um, it was great talking to you about that. Um, and at the end of each episode, we ask the same questions to each guest. And Connor okay. usually starts with the first. What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? I would say setting boundaries or being able to say kind of no to things that, you know, not spreading yourself too thin. <laughs> Yep. We've talked a lot about yeah. this with other guests as well. It's <laughs> yeah. an emerging theme for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? Ooh, um, I think choosing what I look and listen to and also just really practicing slowing down. So what I mean by like choosing what I look and listen to, like I've almost entirely stopped scrolling through social media, which tends to create more kind of like jealousy than inspiration. Mm. Um, and instead carve out time for things that fill me up, whether it's music or podcasts or documentaries or just spending time outside with my family um, and trying to spend more time writing and creating work in my studio. Um, just things that are really motivating um so yeah i think that's something that i really am trying to prioritize yeah that's great i love that answer <laughs> i'm trying to do the same it's hard to <laughs> change those habits though isn't it yeah. yeah it's really difficult and you never know you never realize what a time suck that that is until like you're oh uh, an hour into a tiktok mm -hmm. into tiktok binge and you're like wait a minute what yeah I what am it's, I doing with my life? It's scary. <laughs> it takes up so much time. And then I also would notice like when I'd pick up my phone, you know, you automatically go to open like Instagram or something so mindlessly. And I'm like, what am I doing? And this is not why I picked up my phone, but it just becomes right. so yeah. involuntary. And I'm like, this is scary. This is where it's like changing human behavior. And like, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like 37 times a day. I'm like, wait, what, did, what was I doing? Where am I? Yep. And I like the, you know, changing what you look and listen to thought of like, I basically stopped watching all news uh, mm -hmm. because 
I found it just really increased my anxiety. So I chose and was purposeful about what I wanted to read about and what was mm-hmm. important to me and what kept me, you know, uh, informed enough without it being a total drag on my yeah, day. Yeah, it's so important. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think more people really should make those conscious de- decisions. Yeah. What's your favorite horse movie? Ooh, okay. So my older favorite horse movie is Seabiscuit. And my new favorite horse movie is Nope. Oh, that was such a good movie, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, you have to go see yep. it. Yeah. I think it's, it's on Peacock right now. So if you oh, have okay. that to stream, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um, Jordan Peele's new movie Mm -hmm. uh and he did um the movie get out uh with daniel kaluuya the same Mm -hmm. actor who's in nope oh my gosh it was so good yeah Yeah. (laughs) all of his work is so like i knew when he was creating this i'm like it's gonna be amazing yeah (laughs) so good (laughs) yeah i went back to a movie theater for that movie i wanted to it was on my list for so long but I currently have an eight-week-old baby, and yeah. so it was just like I don't like. We ended up not making it there, so I just had to stream it. But it would yeah. have been such a better experience in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> um, who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? Okay, I I have two that I would recommend. Either Work to Ride, which is a nonprofit centered around horsemanship equine sports and education mm-hmm. or, or giant steps um yeah. which is local to where i'm in my area <clears throat> um and it's a non-profit non-profit therapeutic writing program which works with people of all ages and means and challenges and they're doing such incredible work and i apologize yeah. if you've had either on we the have podcast. okay the giant steps uh, <laughs> yeah. executive director yep yeah do you talk to is it beth yes yes yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you had her on. She's yeah. fantastic. It was an early episode, but yeah. um, we talked about nonprofits with her and and yeah. how to, you know, how nonprofits truly have to function as like a profit for profit business. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of just a tech status that changes, but you know, um, yeah, she was amazing. Yeah, it's. I spoke with her for a journal entry on our website, and it's so incredible to hear, obviously, what she does, but what Giant Steps does on a daily basis for so many families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Awesome. Well, it's so great to talk with you, Lindsay. We really appreciate you taking the time to share you know, what you do and how others can kind of start those steps or continue on that journey to becoming, you know, a better citizen of our planet. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, And then I just wanted to share really quickly just for people, if they're interested in checking out our products in more detail, that they can um, obviously go on our website and look at our bags, but People can also find them at our amazing retailers too. So you can look them up with Caval, Ella, EQ Lifestyle Boutique, Olson's Tack Shop, Brennan's Bit and Bridal, Top Hats and Under That, Hound and Hair, and Tack Warehouse. So awesome. if awesome. you want to buy them 
online um, from one of our retailers or ourselves, or you can find them at those tech shops in person. Very cool. Well, it's so great to hear what you're doing and, and to know that, um, you know, there's people like you who care and, you know, want to make products that last and, and really serve the market with something that's thoughtful. Thank you so much. I had so much fun being on here talking with you. Well, I think we can both say we could spend another two or three hours talking to Lindsay about sustainability and (laughs) being uh, a little more uh, conscious of the decisions that we make as consumers and, you know, as business owners. Um, But it was really interesting to hear, you know, the journey that she went through and, um, you know, and, and how she makes decisions and what resources she uses. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, especially because I'm kind of into that right now. I started a couple of years ago where I'm trying to eat more plant-based and, you know, recycle more and make sure that I'm conscious of the choices I'm making. And so, I mean, I could have talked for hours about it because there's so many different parts of it. And that's what I think can be so overwhelming to people. Mm. But I do think that she listed some really great resources and I think she made it tangible, especially because she brought up the point that you can't be perfect, you know, but any, any little thing can make an impact. So, I think that's where you need to start. For sure. And, you know, bringing up the fast fashion thing is really important because your dollars and where you spend your money makes the biggest impact for corporate change. And, you know, if we had had more time too, I wanted to talk to her about, you know, how the market and how the, especially the younger generation expect companies to be uh, you know environmentally conscious to have you know a platform or a or you know talk about what they do for equal rights and for mm-hmm. you know the LGBTQ community or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you know that they feel strongly about and you know, that they should have a purpose and a mission beyond just making money for their company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I do think that, you know, people put their money into products and services that they believe are doing something more than just providing a product and service. Yes. And I, and I like that she said that that's how you can get started, right? Is f- picking what you're interested in and that's where you can start doing your research, being more mm-hmm. sustainable. So if you are into fashion or you are into healthy diets and lifestyles and whatever it sparks Clean in water. you, yes, where whatever it sparks in you, um, that's where you can start. You know, it doesn't have to be in a direction that you're, you're not headed in. For sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, some people think that the little decisions or the choices that they make don't make a difference, but you know, there's now 8 billion people on this planet. So if 8 billion people are each making small changes, you know, it leads to a greater change and a greater impact uh, across the world. Yeah, absolutely. I know one thing I've been doing is a little more thrifting 
Like, you know, especially for clothes that, you know, I might wear to the barn or, you know, I'm not going to go out in. So, you know, why not buy a $3 sweater that I can throw on for the barn instead of buying a $25 sweater from Amazon that probably Mm. (laughs) was not made in a sustainable way. So um, I definitely think that, you know, it's achievable to do for everybody. And if we all do a little bit, just like my mother-in-law, not throwing out her her mixer. That's yeah. so old. Now now I'm thinking about all the jeans that I threw out that are all low, low cut. <laughs> it's coming back into style. Although I'm never wearing those again. So <laughs> totally. <laughs> all all the young people can keep those, but you know, oh, yeah, I'll keep my high-waisted pants. Thank you <laughs> yeah, very much. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Recently I saw maybe a video, a reel, a TikTok, somebody was doing something and she was uh, opening up a box of her mother's clothes and there were like Ed Hardy t-shirts in there. And I was like, well, I'm officially old. Like, I think I still have some. And then I was like, wow, I might've gotten rid of some. I should have kept them. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It always comes back around, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the flare jeans that I've I know. Seeing. <laughs> 90s fashion is back and it's yeah. haunting me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, and to, you know, for companies to start thinking about the, the changes that they can make, um, depending on what they do. And, uh, I, I especially loved her comment about the packaging and thinking about, you know, what you're using for packaging and shipping your products in. And, um, uh, the other thing that I thought was really cool that uh, Lindsay mentioned was that all the companies that she reached out to for advice or help or, um, you know, information were also willing to help her, uh, which I thought was cool to hear, you know, because everybody wants to help others, you know, make a difference and, and make better choices. So that was great to hear. Yeah. And that she seemed to encourage people to reach out if you are exploring, because those there are, once you go down that rabbit hole, it sounds like it gets easier because people are definitely willing to help you. Mm-hmm. And I, and I thought it was very interesting, all of the new innovative materials that are coming out. Like I didn't realize there was so much. And I think that that's um, kind of exciting and, and we can look forward to seeing those in the future. Yeah. I mean, we've seen so much of it in apparel recently and like the different, you know, tech fabrics that have been used in hunt coats and breeches and things like that. So it's nice to see that, you know, not only are things getting better in terms of, you know, the use of, you know, what you're doing with the fabric, but also that it is recycled or it's sustainably um manufactured yeah yeah i like that well it was a great talk and can't wait to do the next one yeah continue on i know find the links to today's guest and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com equestrian b2b is out twice a month on the first and the 15th you can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on facebook and instagram Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. 
You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go protect the environment. 